Hello, and you are listening to The 1% Christian. This is the Bible study where we set aside 1% of our day, dive into God's Word, get some prayer in, reflect on an attribute of God, and then head off into the remaining 99% of our day to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I'm so excited that you are uh, joining me. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio of Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York, and uh, we are going through the Gospel of John. I want to invite you to download the Sound of Heaven app. Uh, We've got an awesome app with a lot of great resources, one of them being a free digital Bible, so you could read along with us. Um, Also, uh, I want you to check out soh.church. You can get the app there as well, but also learn more about Sound of Heaven. You are always invited to join us for a Sunday service or a weekday Bible study. Uh, Check us out over there. Uh, You could also uh, stream our services if you're not within 500 miles of of New York. Otherwise, it's worth the drive. And uh, last but not least, apparently I'm supposed to be asking you, uh, which I was reminded to like, follow, share. This stream is on on uh, really any platform that you can get uh, your podcasts. Uh, Who would have thunk it? I'm just here uh, studying the Bible with my friends and family, but apparently uh, when you're doing something like this, likes, follows, and shares help out a lot. And we're getting some really good testimonies from this study. So God's doing something awesome. So by you liking and sharing it and making it more visible, uh, I believe that we are going to change the lives of some folks, not us, but God, of course. Uh, And uh, I'm excited to continue. So we are going to end John 2 today. We're we're getting through our second chapter here. And I want to do a quick recap because this has been uh, an awesome chapter uh, so far. Uh, We studied the other day that uh, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life of the party, uh, when he transformed the water into wine at the wedding, uh, this was the first of many miracles uh, listed in in John and then throughout the Gospels. Uh, It was the first um, one that we've read about in this Gospel, and, and it proves that we serve a God that can transform us from the inside out. What's the stipulation on that? We've got to be willing vessels, okay? God is not looking for perfect. He's looking for willing. And somebody needs to hear that today, right? And coming from a a recovering perfectionist myself, I know I can be very hard on myself. and, And somebody out there listening to this needs to hear it. God's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking to be willing for you to be willing, and then he'll take care of the rest. And uh, then yesterday, I mean, we read about Jesus flipping tables over in the temple during Passover. Uh, the merchants had turned the court of the Gentiles into a market. They were basically selling sacrifices. They were price gouging out there. And the interesting thing is, is if you remember, the court of the Gentiles was the place where non-Jewish people, non-believers at that that time uh, could get access to uh, to the temple. So it was the only thing that the outside world saw. And I think that's pretty telling. Uh, we definitely don't want our faith to be commercialized or cheapened in any way. And uh, what Jesus did was he started flipping over these tables and driving folks out and saying, you know, you can't be doing this in, in my father's house. Had other implications as well, right? We're moving from the old covenant to the new covenant And in the new covenant that you and I live in right now, we don't have to buy God's love. 
Okay. We, there's nothing we can do to earn it. it it's given freely. Right. So one of the things that we hit on was that, you know, Jesus flipping over the tables is not an excuse for us to walk around and everybody who disagrees with us for us to flip their tables. Why? Because Jesus sat across the table a heck of a lot more than he flipped tables over. Okay. And the reason why Jesus did this, he was zealous. He was passionate about clearing the way so that people would have free would have access to God in the temple right and that's what everything out there represented represented a transactional relationship with God you do good you do these things and we as a church need to let the world know uh that everyone is invited to the table with Jesus and uh that uh his love is freely given and not earned thank you for that God okay so now moving right along, we are going to talk about uh, what happened right after he flipped the tables, and that is Jesus gets confronted by the chief priests. I'm sure you can imagine. Okay, Jesus is ruffling some feathers here a little bit. All right, he's making some people mad. So the chief priests come, priests come out, and uh, they confront him. And I'm going to start reading. This is starting with verse 18. Okay. It said, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you have for us in doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you'll raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Okay, so let's unpack this here in a second, for a second. The, the Jewish priests, those who are watching, say, what sign do you show us for doing these things? So in other words, like what authority do you have to do something like this? Show us a sign. And we see this happening over and over again, right? Jesus is walking around and he is showing signs. But then when he's confronted by the people, the people that were rejecting him, mainly the chief priests of that time that wanted to hang on to the old covenant, they didn't want to see God do a new thing. And they're saying, prove it, prove it, prove yourself. What sign do you have? And we'll get into why that's significant in a second. But then Jesus answers and says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And they think he's talking about this big, beautiful building that they go to and they worship God in. And that's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about his own body. And there's significance here. I know I keep saying that, but because in the old covenant, the temple was the building. You would have to go to the building, give your sacrifice, and that's where God dwelled, so to speak. Inside the center of that temple was the Holy of Holies, and you it was very hard to get access to that. Actually, you couldn't even get into the inner part unless you were a, a priest. But now in the New Covenant, see, you and I are the temple. So Jesus is laying the groundwork for that. He is calling his body a temple. Your body and my body are the temple also, 
right, of the Holy Spirit. We don't need a physical building anymore. Although if you have a local church, go to it because that's a great place to fellowship. It's a great place to worship corporately. But understand that a church is not a building. We are the church. You and I. We are what is mentioned in Scripture as the temple that is what? Made without human hands. That is the new covenant. That is the new promise between man and God. We don't need a building. We are the church. Okay? So the Jews are saying, what sign do you have to show us? And Jesus actually replies here, and he says, and, he, and that's what he says, destroy this temple. He's foretelling of his death and resurrection. And when that happens, the, his disciples go back and, and remember that he said this, and they now believe in him more. But I want to point something out here, and I want to hit on what our, what our attribute of God is today. Okay, it's, a, it's, it's one that is going to sound obvious, but it's not so obvious to us sometimes. That God is sovereign. God is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Sovereign means supreme ruler. It means he's the king. Basically means he is in charge. And why do I want to pull that out of here? Is because... Jesus didn't have to answer them at all. We see other times in Scripture, and we'll get to it, when when they say, show us a sign. And he says, listen, the kingdom of God is not going to be shown to you as here it is, there it is. It's already in your midst. And what I'm getting at here is that sometimes we want to say, prove it, God. If you're God, prove it. And we treat God a little bit more like a genie than the creator of the universe, where we call upon him to prove himself through works and miracles. And our God is a miracle-working God. We've covered that already. There's no question. God will take what is impossible, and he will make it possible. But he's not going to do it on our demand, and he's not going to do it on our terms because he is sovereign not us now he's given us the freedom of choice he's given us the ability to have free will and this is the ultimate sovereignty of god is that we can have free will we can choose for ourselves yet his will gets done that's how powerful God is. But I also want to point out something too that should bring us peace is that God being sovereign and being in charge gets to make the calls. And I, I'm only going to speak for myself here, but my way a lot of times does not work. <laughs> That's the understatement of the century. God's way works. And I know that personally because every time I pursue God, things happen to work out. And Scripture tells us if you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, then everything else gets added onto your life. Things get a little bit easier. But we want to push against God. We want to say, prove it, God. And here's another thing that really 
brings me peace, especially when I come across a question that I don't understand about God. And and I, I do want to say this, and I, I don't want to I don't want you to misunderstand. When I say God is sovereign, God is king, God is not one of these kings where you go and you say and you question him and he, he's and he says, off with your head. It's not how it works. Scripture actually tells us that for those who have uh, those, for those who need wisdom, let them ask, and God gives it liberally without rebuke. For those who lack wisdom, let them ask. God says, "Call to me, and I'll give you great and unsearchable things which you do not know." Remember, our first study was how God is light, and God's desire is for himself to be revealed to us. So I want to encourage you that even though God is king, even though he is sovereign, we can go to him with some really, really tough questions. And these are two things that I know about God. These are other characteristics, and maybe I'm I'm, I'm giving away something for another day, but that's okay. We'll get back to it. That two things I know about God when I can't answer questions, right? I know that God is love, which means every decision he makes is, is in love, right? And then God is just. And because I know his justice is legit, that he always makes the right decision. He always makes the right decision. Let me just finish out the chapter here. Starting with verse, I think it's 23. There we go. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Okay. So Jesus is doing signs all over the place. Yet the chief priests and the people that were rejecting him are saying, show us signs, show us signs, show us signs. And here's what I've learned over the past, you know, 20 years is that when you don't want to believe something, all the signs in the world are not going to prove it to you. Okay. The world says, see it, and then I'll believe it. But faith says, I'll believe it, and then I'll see it. And when somebody tells me, as, we, as we're coming up to our 1% here, that they are looking for evidence of God. I used to answer that question. Show me evidence of God. I used to say, well, look at the stars. Look at natural law. Look at these. And I would rattle off all the things that I felt were evidence, even physical evidence for God. But what I learned a while back is that is a, that is, uh, it's a lesson in futility. You spin around and around and around. It's never going to be good enough. Usually what I ask is what type of evidence would you need? And it makes folks think like, wait a minute, I don't know what I would need. And it helps us sometimes to encounter that sometimes we don't want there to be a God. Sometimes we don't want there to be a king. Why? Because if we really look at God for who he is, then we may have to make some personal changes. We may have to take ourselves out of the driver's seat sometimes and then put him in his rightful place. We want to sit on the throne sometimes. But I don't know about you. I am glad that God is sovereign because I make mistakes and lots of them. But God is faithful to forgive those mistakes, and he's faithful to reconcile me with those mistakes and, and to get me on the right course. And if somebody does happen to say to me, well, I wish God would just come down here and fix everything, then my answer to them is, 
That's pretty much Christianity in an elevator pitch. That God came down and fixed everything. And he can because he's sovereign. He's king. So let's pray as we go into our day. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that you're in charge. (laughs) I don't always want to be in charge, Lord. I want you to be in charge of my day, to call the play, and then we will run it, Lord God. But we thank you that your power and your might and your strength, Lord God, all the things that we have at our disposal, Lord God, because we have you in our life can help us to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish today. So, Father, as we go into today, knowing that you are in charge, we move forward boldly. We go into situations and, and we encounter things that may be difficult, Lord, but, but greater are you that is in us than anything that is in the world. And because of that, we are confident and bold because you are in charge. In Jesus' mighty name. My name is Pastor J.D. Ambrosio. You're listening to The 1% Christian. Check us out at soh.church. Download the Sound of Heaven app. And please, wherever this stream is being listened to, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share. You will not want to miss tomorrow's study in John 3. You'll want to invite everybody possible because it is an amazing chapter. We're kicking off John 3 tomorrow. Love you guys. Have a great day.